Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. I'm Tyson Popplestone. I'm your host here, and I'm also the head coach over at Relaxed Running. If you're new here, This podcast is all about helping you eliminate the guesswork from your running training program and try and smoothen out that process from where you are towards where you're trying to be. So it really doesn't matter whether you're a distance runner or in a running-based sport, there's going to be plenty here to be able to help you out. And today is absolutely no exception. Today I'm catching up with nutritionist, personal trainer, and all-round wellness guru by the name of Ben Real. I'm not sure he'd be stoked with me using the name wellness guru. It was just the first thing that came to my mind to describe him. He's very good when it comes to coming up with a holistic approach to taking your running performance to a new level from developing a nutrition plan that works for you as an individual, not just some generic plan. We also tap into the subject of mindset and allowing yourself to develop that part of your game in order to take your running game to a brand new level. So it was a conversation that took a few different directions. This guy's got a beautiful ability to simplify complex ideas and it was a really enjoyable conversation. Uh, Looking forward to having him back on the show. Don't forget, if you're looking for more resources from myself, go to relaxrunning.com. We've got programs for running-based sports and training programs and coaching opportunities for you in the world of distance running, the world of triathlon, or whatever it is, uh, whatever else it is you might be training for. Feel free to reach out. But for now, let me introduce to you, for the first time on the show, Ben Real. I was just saying before I hit record that I, I had to apologize to you because Ashley, one of your uh, PAs, reached out to me about a month ago and said that she's got a great guest, uh, someone that would be a really good fit for the platform. And for some reason, it went straight into my spam account. And I never checked my spam account. And a couple of weeks ago, I was scrolling through and I stumbled upon this email. And I thought, man, actually, this sounds really interesting. I hope this offer is still available. Then I saw the date on it. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a bold move, me reaching back out now. So I was, uh, I was grateful that you were, you were good enough to, to withstand the fact that I didn't quite get your email in time and, uh, and come and jump back on, man. It's a, it's a conversation I'm looking forward to having with you. Yeah, likewise. No, it's my pleasure being on and uh, I'm glad we were able to link up and, and make it happen. So I'm excited. I was having a, a bit of a read through some of your stuff. And the reason I was I was curious to get you on here is because I've, I've spoken to a, a few people around the subject of nutrition. And obviously this this podcast, the majority of the audience, from what I can tell, is, is distance runners, relatively a, a lot of newer distance runners, uh, people who have been in the scene for a couple of years. And they're trying to navigate training and they're trying to navigate recovery. And one of the big things that they're trying to navigate is is nutrition and uh, you know how to develop some kind of a plan that works well for them. And it's it's an interesting conversation. And and I know as a guy who's been in the scene for a long time, it's a it's an overwhelming conversation because there's so many different opinions on the topic. You, you can listen to one podcast and it's uh, it says, hey, no, no, make sure it's just all meat. And then the next podcast right. says, no, no, hey, you know what, the donut diet's fine because you're going to be burning it off. So, yeah, man, yeah. I'm, uh, I thought as a way of introduction, it might be nice just to um, hear a little bit about your background and, and what it is you're, you, you actually teach around the subject of fitness, nutrition, and, you know, developing a, a diet that works well for you. Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head with um, just talking about a diet that works for you. Um, and um, by that, I mean what's – you know, what works for one person is, is not necessarily going to work for another. Um, and I think that kind of gets to your point of it's confusing. Like you can, you hear conflicting uh, protocols, you hear conflicting um, uh, guidance on even sports specific guidance, right? Uh, you hear conflicting stuff. So um, I'm kind of a nutrition agnostic in some sense. Um and by that, I mean, I don't have, you know, a specific, uh, a specific way of eating that I'm trying to, to teach clients. Um, but I do have principles that, that will apply. And through the application of those principles, which is done in kind of a, uh, you know, a behavior change habit-based model, um, by the application of those, we're going to figure out what is 
what's the best thing for you, right? Like, um, and so we're looking at body composition, but we're also looking at performance. We're looking at sleep. We're looking at energy, um, you know, some, some objective factors, some subjective factors. And then we want to, um, you know, es essentially get as many data points as we can over the course of a, over the co uh, course of a coaching program to determine what are the trends. Um, and, and then we can figure out, you know, the, the best approach. Um, but when we talk about principles, you know, we're looking at essentially whole minimally processed foods is, is kind of our, our starting point. Um, and I think for a lot of people, there are, there's so many different places that you can go just with that starting point in terms of cleaning up your diet. Um, and it's obviously going to be maybe a little bit different for people that are actively competing at a really high level. Um, but for, you know, most general population clients, like the clients that I work with, um, when you just start attacking whole minimally processed foods and you look at how much, um, how much, uh, you know, how much processed foods, but, but things in a package, right. That you're just, that you're getting, you're not preparing or doing anything. Um, when we just start taking a look at that and figuring out how we can increase the, the nutritional quality of, of the foods that you're eating and then nutritional density. Right. So like if you take something out of a package, you know, what, what nutrition, you know, quality nutrition are you really going to get from that? Of course it has, protein, carbs, and, and fat, right? But um, versus, you know, trying to eat some raw vegetables or trying to cook um, even one meal at home a day, you know, or something like that, or maybe bringing your lunch to work. Um, but that whole minimally processed foods is kind of the overarching principle. And then when we break that down in terms of, you know, macronutrients, um, kind of seeing, okay, how can we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start by getting a, an idea of what you're consuming and whether that's a food log for a few days, whether somebody's previously been tracking their food, but we need some kind of baseline so I can have an idea for what you're consuming. Um, and then we take it a step further and say, okay, when we're looking at protein and carbohydrates and, you know, and, and fat, um, how can we, how can we increase, um, you know, quality uh, sources of those, of those macronutrients um, that not only are going to make you feel better or help you, you know, in the pursuit of your specific goals, but also that are sustainable. And that's the big, you know, that's, that's kind of the big second principle you could say. Um, and I think that's one, a really important piece to, to kind of take and run with because there are there, like you mentioned at the, at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the show, like there are no shortage of protocols and, and options out there, right? The, the information is out there and most of it is going to work in some form or fashion. Realistically. Um, the question is, is it going to work for the long haul? Um, and can you, um, can you sustain whatever you're doing? for the long haul, or is it too complicated? Or is it um, like you're white knuckling it, you know, you're just trying to like willpower your way through it. Um, and so kind of in terms of nutrition coaching as a whole, that's why, you know, my programs themselves are, are a lot longer in nature um, because we're going through this habit formation, you know, process. Um, and that takes time, right? Because, we have to, we have to assess, we have to figure out where we are to begin with. Um, and then we have to kind of strategically, you know, in a collaborative, uh, in a collaborative fashion, uh, myself and the client determine what, what areas do we want to pursue first? Right. And then we're kind of breaking those into, into smaller, smaller pieces. Um, again, focused on the whole idea of getting them quality nutrition, as little process stuff as possible. And then, you know, if we think of it in terms of six months, like ideally, if we're working together for six months, at the end of that six months, everything that, that you have developed, you know, 
throughout the course of that, all of that stuff should be, if we're doing it correctly, all of that stuff you should be able to do indefinitely. Um, and you should have really cracked the code on like why you're doing it and, uh, and, and how to do it and how to do it really efficiently. Man, it's a, it's a really, really good answer. I love the fact that your foundation is on around a, a whole foods minimally processed yeah. based diet, because I think not dissimilar to the United States, you don't have to look too far in a, an Australian supermarket just to see the ridiculous amount of ingredients that are in the most basic foods. Like uh, you can see why marketing is such a, a, a powerful industry because to try and sell some of the bullshit foods that we sell with the, yeah. uh, with the spin on it that we have, it's mind blowing that, uh, that we buy into it. And you said that a lot of, well, yeah, you touched on the fact that, yeah, sure, you might still get your macros and things in it. It's amazing how many uh, of the child, like the children's cereals that I walk past that will advertise a, you know, it's filled with protein and then it's 25% sugar. You go, okay, well, you've, you've taken a, speci- a specific angle. And th- this is part of the reason yeah. I was so curious to talk to you because growing up, I was, I was very health conscious. I was, uh, I was maybe a little OCD with it, but ironically, I probably had the worst diet of anyone you, you knew because so much of what I was focused on was making sure that the food was I was eating as a 90s kid was 99% fat-free. And what I didn't realize at the time was as a result of that 99% fat free, most of the food that I was consuming was really, really high in sugar. And I've got the fillings and, you know, removed teeth to prove it. But as a result, as I started to sort of do a little bit of research myself and, and, and just looking into what it is that I was putting into my body, I felt like the foundation of, of what I've tried to build my, my sort of health journey upon is whole foods minimally processed but but that initial process is uh it, it's a little daunting because as i said every yeah. single food that we consume <laughs> seems to have some kind of um preservative in it to, to give it a little bit longer shelf life but just as a, a as sort of a, a a next jump point are there certain strategies that that you help people with when it comes to choosing foods because my i don't know if you know michael Poland. he's a a I'm actually not sure what his original title is. I know he's, he's an author, but I think he was a yeah. journalist, an American guy. And uh, one of the most helpful things I stumbled upon was a food series that I think he had on Netflix. And he spoke oh, really? about how if, you, if you're trying to clarify what's a good food, think about whether or not your great-great-grandmother would have referred to what you're eating as a food. And the second yeah. one was just have it's a look good. to see if it's, got, if it's got more than four ingredients in it. It's, you probably don't need it. And I thought, okay, there, there are a couple that I find helpful and I'm by no means an expert, but I was just curious to know how you guide people with that particular step. Because as I said, it's a, it can be a little daunting when you, you've never really looked at it before. Yeah, it can be really daunting. And um, I think those, um, I'm not familiar with them, but I'll, I'll, uh, but I'll seek them out. Um, those, are, those are spot on, right? Like if, if uh, I mean, if you think about it, if you go down the meat aisle, you're getting chicken, beef, pork, turkey, whatever. I mean, that's, you're getting meat. If you go, you're getting vegetables, or you, you know, you're getting spinach, peppers, zucchini, whatever it is, right? You get the point. It's it's just there. It's raw. And, and you're going to cook it or you're going to prepare it however you want. Um, carbohydrates seem to be really confusing, um, you know, on how to pursue those. But at the basic level, we're, you know, we're looking at like rice and quinoa and, um and I think probably an educational process as well uh, for a lot of folks on the, you know, what constitutes carbohydrates, um, what constitutes starchy carbohydrates, what, what is the purpose there? Uh, because it's, it's natural for a lot of folks to think that carb carbohydrates in general, if anything has carbohydrates, right? It's the enemy. Um, and, that's you know that's not always the case right where where are are they is it from a bunch of added sugar um like what kind of what kind of carbs are we talking about um but as far as as far as strategies go um you know there's a million ways to to skin the cat but i think taking those macronutrient groups the protein carbon fat and just starting there and and building out almost uh you know, a list, uh, essentially you're building a grocery list, right? 
Um, and I think what makes a lot of sense to people, um, especially when we start breaking these down into those categories and giving them these different options, um, there becomes more clarity um, in, in how to go about this, uh, in, in how to go about um, you know, decreasing the, the processed foods. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's, it, it seems to be easier uh, to add in certain things instead of trying to just remove the processed foods. Like, so instead of trying to do a, you know, an overhaul on everything that you're consuming, we're going to just strip everything out again. That's not sustainable. You, you probably, that's a, that's a drastic change. Um, if you're not eating any vegetables, maybe we keep your diet how it is. And we just try and add in, you know, um, one serving of vegetables at lunch, you know, for, for the week or for two weeks or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so kind of identifying what, what's the, what's the biggest, what's the biggest, uh, area for, you know, for growth or for improvement, um, and potentially and potentially attacking it that way. And that makes sense to some people, right. Of just, okay, I just have to add things to it. And eventually you're adding so many, you know, so many pieces in that the things that you want to remove are, are naturally, they're, they're kind of naturally going to remove themselves. Um, does that kind of make sense on, you know, an, an overall approach, like the, the other piece that that's going to play a role into that is like, what are they doing? What, what is, what's their exercise look like? Right. Um, because if they're coming to you for weight loss, and they're, they're completely sedentary, they're not doing anything, um, then that's something else that we're looking at It's just trying to get some kind of movement um, in to, to start that process in a, in a progressive, uh, progressive nature as well. Um, but there's more probably runway with that in that situation because we're not trying to fuel performance necessarily. Um, obviously that's going to be a conversation at some point, but different from somebody maybe that's, that's competing or, um, or running, uh, or, or training for a race and logging a lot of miles and, um, uh, doing different types of, of, you know, workouts. Well, if that, you know, if that, if their nutrition's not on point, then we're, we're kind of zeroing in on the performance and the energy and the recovery piece and the foods that can help them get there. Um, yeah. I think a great starting point is just like, what, what is your goal? Because the nutrition is facilitating, you know, all of these changes in nutrition are facilitating some sort of end state that you hope to pursue. Um, you know, nobody's coming in saying, I want to improve my nutrition just because I just want to improve my nutrition, right? There's like, <laughs> there's some other, there's so, it's related to some other goal, whether it be aesthetics or body composition or, um, you know, weight loss performance or so. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I like the idea of meeting a person where they're at in their particular journey and, and just alternating the sort yeah. of approach that you take to improving their diet based on what it is they're trying to achieve. But what, one of the things I'm curious about, and I've, I've had a few different people on the show to, to chat about this, and I'm, I'm always just interested to hear the thoughts because every time I leave a podcast with someone with a particular approach, I'm, I'm always convinced that that approach is right. And uh, the, the thing I'm interested in at the moment is as a kid growing up in the, the distance running world, it was always about carb loading. Everything was just yeah. about carbs, carbs, carbs. You want to run fast, get more carbs. Um, which seemed to, for so many athletes to, to work just beautifully, like from a, a performance perspective, you go, okay, well, I can't really argue with it because there was a, a lot of great performances, a lot of fast marathons run off that. And then I, I don't know if it's just because I've become more curious or there's been a real move in the in the scene, but there seems to be a real focus on a ketogenic diet or like a fats-based energy-deriving system for, for runners these days. Yeah. And if I spend long enough listening to either side, as I said, I, I become convinced that that particular side is true. But um, the thing I struggle with is there's so many incredible results on both sides of the spectrum. Some people saying fats only, some people saying carbs only, that I go, okay, well, you're both a lot faster than me. And you also seem to know more about what you're talking about than me. 
So now I don't really trust my own, my own judgment. I was uh, I was curious to to see if you had a perspective or, or any thoughts on that from a a performance perspective. Do you have any particular um, you know platform or, or, or foundation that you, you you preach from, for lack yeah, of a better so, term? Uh, yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, so I've seen some of those documentaries, and I've uh, I've kind of gone down you know in in the in the past I've gone down the rabbit hole myself of experimenting with different things, right? Um, whether it's a ketogenic diet or, or just kind of a higher carbohydrate diet, I would say kind of where I stand for me personally, um, is that carbohydrates are are a necessary source for energy. Um, and I think that can be applied to the vast majority of the population. Um, but there's always outliers, right? So like, there's always, there are always going to be people that are um, on a really low carb diet and they're performing at a really high level. Um, and I don't, I, I don't, you know, their, their body has adapted, right. And they're able, they're able to perform really well. Um, when I, when I was doing low carb um, and, and basically was on a ketogenic diet, I felt horrible. <laughs> like, um, as, as far as performance goes, I think, you know, mentally, like I felt pretty sharp. Um, and that was my original purpose for doing it was, was trying to, you know, increase energy and, and, um, you know, cognitive support and stuff like that. But then whenever I would go to train, I mean, the energy was, was not there. Uh, and I'm by no means an expert on right. Ketogenic diet. Um, but, it's, you know, I, I had troubles with hydration, troubles with cramping. Um, I had a lot of issues that early on for me were kind of just told me, Hey, for like, we can continue to, to, to try this experiment, but, um, your body feels a lot better when you have, you know, carbohydrates, um, whether it's before training or whether it's after training for recovery, um, and that's how I've trained for most of my life. Uh, and, you know, growing up running cross country in high school, it was, we were caught, you know, it was all about carb, like carb loading, right? Like you, even if it was race day, it's not like you're going to get gain anything necessarily from the bagels that they have there, you know, four hours before the race, but that's, that was just the gist. There's bread and bagels, you know, and all that stuff. Um, and I think that, You know, the, the tough part is, um, the tough part I would say is, is maybe the patients involved. So, um, I'm not necessarily in a, with, with my clients, I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other, but it's important to have that understanding up front that if you want to try something and you want to see how your body feels on it, um, then you need to create an environment and um you know some controls in place right to to actually be able to compare you know how, how things are going and if if this is actually working for you um and what i've seen a lot of times is um people on a higher fat diet that that think that they're like doing keto but they're not uh their body's actually not in a ketogenic state and they're taking in you know, even though they have increased their amount of fat, they're still taking in enough carbs to where it's really hard for them to, um, to get in a ketogenic state and start burning fat for energy, uh, or as a primary source of energy. And, um, and so that's where it, it's, it gets really important to like, okay, we, we need to, if we're going to do this, we want to track things so that your performance and all these subjective things that we're looking at whatever the results of those are, we know you were doing a ketogenic diet. We know you were doing a low carb diet and um, probably as it sounds like that process, even in and of itself is, com is complex. It's complicated. So in order for somebody to do that, you know, if a client wanted to do that, there are some prerequisites. There's a lot of prerequisites, right. That are going to be in place. Cause if you, if you just think of in terms of, if you take somebody that is 
you know, seeking nutrition coaching because they, you know, are eating a ton of processed foods. They're not eating vegetables. They're not hydrating appropriately. Um, before we were, we would even be able to get to the point where somebody's like testing their urine, right. For ketones and, um, you know, ensuring that a certain percentage of their, of their calories, you know, are, are coming from fat. Like, um, you know, how do you take somebody from, you can't take somebody overnight and that, that was not really paying attention to their diet and then say, now I want you to have 70% of your caloric intake <laughs> from fat for every, you know, every day. And you've got to do, you've got to do it consistently uh, because if you don't, then you're going to come out of ketosis and then we're going to have this back and forth. So um, that, that can become confusing really quickly and really frustrating for a client because then uh, I've, you know, you've put them in a position where they don't really have the tools to do this to begin with, but they've read some articles about it and, and they're interested in it. Um, and I don't want to discount that because um, it's, it's totally reasonable and justified the, uh, you know, bringing that up and, and wanting to discuss about it. Um, but it's kind of important to just paint the whole picture uh, of these are the things that are going to be involved and to kind of come full circle to your initial question, like let's get to the point where you have, you know, instead of going to something maybe really complex, let's just take your, your diet and your nutrition intake to the point where it's, it's just kind of normal. Uh, and by normal, I mean really quality, like you're having quality carbohydrates. We're controlling your caloric intake you have good, you know, good habits, uh, good lifestyle habits, like some of these other things, let's get kind of those up to speed. And then, you know, you can always continue to, to tweak it and, and change it. But at least at that point, you know, over time, somebody's going to develop some of the skills that would be required to, to pursue that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I, I like the idea of, uh, of, of giving people the education rather than just saying, go on this diet, because I'm not sure about you. I reckon I know I know so many people who have been on a diet for twenty years and are still yeah. well and truly overweight. It's a, a it's a stressful yeah. thing. Like, not, I think I've got a couple in mind particularly that have asked me. And as I said, I'm no expert, but I've got a basic appreciation for just whole unprocessed foods. And essentially, when people come to me and say, "Hey, do you have any diet advice?" I go, "Well, not really, but I feel like this makes sense. <laughs> like, just uh, if you can eliminate as much of the uh, the rubbish that has become called food for you know extended shelf life, that's a really good place to start." But I think for, yeah. for me, this idea of the education. I guess that we've touched on before about just learning to eliminate those things, but then just making that a lifestyle rather than a, some little fad because a fads, I guess in the name, it's just impossible to be able to hold on to for any amount of time. It's almost like you're, uh, you're punishing yourself for these good rewards that you're trying to get. It's, you, you know, you, you've got this goal of looking better or feeling better or whatever, but the way that you're going to get through is through depriving yourself and abusing yourself and, you know, uh, living on salary for six weeks and just right. counting down the days that you can finish off until you can just reward yourself with a massive block of chocolate. It's, just, yeah. it's a very, uh, it's a very strange scene. And it, it blows my mind how, um, I don't know just how out of touch so many of us are. And, and to be fair, I, as I said, I was for a long time, but one of the big factors that, that got me back in line was I read uh, the blue zones by, by Dan Butner. Okay. I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever read that, but it, just for those listening, yeah. No, it, it looks at the the oldest, healthiest so-called uh, population groups around the world. And there's seven different areas they call the blue zones. One's in like Sardinia. There's one in Loma Linda, California. It's like a Seventh Day Adventist group. And okay. I, I think it's a, a the word of the moment is epidemiology. Ep, ep, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Epidemiology. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're trying to determine what factors make these people so old and so healthy. And I think they measure it by. Um, the the quality of life amongst the centurions in that particular population area. And one of the things that stood out on all groups is, uh, apart from sort of faith and um, friendship groups and regular exercise routines, is exactly what you're saying is you look at their diet and the Seventh-day Adventist group in Loma Linda, for example, it's essentially what you've just promoted. It's this idea or or encouraged. It's this idea of like, all right, I think for their particular faith perspective, it's like, all right, 
is this how God created it? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, it's like, all right, I'm pretty sure we can consume that. And I'm not sure whether this was coincidental or whether this was um, true for all of the areas, but another standout feature was like they had relatively high, a very high vegetable take intake, relatively high fruit intake, and relatively low in comparison to most Western countries' meat intake. And I know there's a lot of different opinions yeah. on what that means and you know how, how much of a health factor that meat was. Sure. Um, but I find it hard to look past that from a longevity perspective, go, all right, well, what's worked? And then you see that and you go, okay, well, it's hard to move away from something like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, um, so when you, when you say what, what's worked, right? Like that's, uh, I think that's a powerful question and that's something that I'll, I talk about with clients. Um, you know, we kind of, we, we call them bright spots, right? So if you're, um, maybe you're a brand new client, maybe you're somebody that we've, I've been working with for a while, but if, when you, when you reach that obstacle, um, or if you're just trying to get a baseline assessment, right? Like when, when you were exercising regularly, you know, what, what, what was going well? Like what, um, how were you able to do that when you were eating, um, uh, you know, a more nutritionally dense diet, what facilitated that? Um, how were you able to do that? Um, point being, a lot of these answers are out there, maybe in our previous experiences. Um, and we just don't, uh, myself included sometimes, right? Like we don't, we don't always take, <clears throat> take note of them at the time. And then, you know, maybe two or three years down the road, you're in a similar situation. Um, and you kind of have a playbook. Um, and I think, so I think that's a great place to start is like, what went well, or what group of people are doing this really well? Like, what are they doing? Um, and, you know, and you can kind of emulate that. And, and it seems like that's a great starting point for any obstacle than trying to recreate the wheel and, and come up with your, your own solution. Um, you know, is, is a, that's a good, good place to start. And I, I think it also comes into the, the whole idea of just like drilling down on this outcome, um, which everybody, everybody has some kind of outcome. They're seeking something. Um, and a lot of times it's, uh, with, with, uh, especially with weight loss or with a performance goal, like you, you want to bench press so much weight or you want to run, you know, so fast for this upcoming marathon, like, it, it takes, you know, takes behaviors to, to create that. Like it doesn't happen uh, by itself. The outcome doesn't just present itself. Um, and so I think it, in the context of yo-yo dieting, you know, for 20 years and stuff like that, it's, it's natural to get really hyper-focused on the amount of weight that you want to lose. And you kind of put the behaviors right that are required to create that outcome to the side because you're, you're just trying to jump into a, a protocol um, and trying to make that protocol happen and work. And um, then when it either doesn't work or it becomes too much of a burden, then you're kind of back at that starting point. Um, and so I talk a lot about, you know, behaviors leading to outcomes. So if we can think of all of the behaviors that would be required to PR your next marathon or to, you know, bench press, uh, you know, whatever it is, um, or to lose weight, like the, what are the foundational behaviors that are going to be required? And if you can, if you can create, uh, or, or, um, make those habitual, right. Where you're, you're just kind of an autopilot. You're, you're no longer having to consciously think about it necessarily whatever that outcome is that you're seeking is going to naturally happen and it's going to be sustainable. You're going to be able to continue that indefinitely because you've gone on a, a, a deeper level. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. It's a really good point. What are some of the foundational factors that you work through when you're trying to develop the habit in an athlete, whether they're doing the bench press or the marathon, what are, are there some sort of universal principles that apply to everyone in whatever field it is that they're trying to improve? 
Yeah, so I think you can look at, like if you're taking performance, um, well, if you're taking really any goal, right? You're looking at nutrition, you're looking at, um, and, and within nutrition, you're looking at, you know, quality, consistency, um, portions. Um, you're looking at, uh, in terms of exercise or movement, we're looking at, you know, how often are we moving and then how well are we moving? And, and a whole lot of other things can, can fall into those categories, but think of movement quality and then, and then movement consistency at the, at the base, um, looking at sleep and recovery. So obviously that that plays an enormous role in whether you're losing weight or you're going to perform, you have to recover and you have to prioritize recover a recovery. Um, and part of that is through sleep, but part of that's through, you know, taking care of your body and, um, you know, active recovery days, off days, um, you know, high, low days, like making sure that you're not going a hundred percent, you know, every day, uh, in training, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, our, you know, our bodies break down and, um, and then you have this, you know, these diminishing returns. So you've got sleep and recovery. Um, mindset is a huge, is a huge piece too. Um, and specifically with mindset, you know, kind of developing this growth mindset. Um, and, you know, um, I think a, a lot of times we have, uh, you know, our mindset shifts depending on the subject matter, right? Or, um, so you, you can maybe have a growth mindset, you know, about work or something. Um, meaning that you kind of look at everything right as a growth opportunity and you, you seek out, um, you know, feedback, uh, from your peers or your superiors or whatever. Um, uh, you know, opposite of like a fixed mindset where it's like this, I can't, I can't lose weight. I'm just not meant to lose weight. I can't run faster. I'm just not meant to, you know, break the record or, or, or hit this time. Um, I never ate vegetables as a kid. I'm just not supposed to eat vegetables, like that type of stuff. So um, totally natural. And we all have it in, in some way, shape or form, probably in multiple aspects of our life, this kind of balance back and forth. Um, and it's a continuum really. So it's not all fixed or, or growth. Um, but that's a huge part of the, of the process too. And I think that mindset can, set you up for success for some of the other pieces like the nutrition piece and the exercise piece, right? Cause, um, if you're more open to kind of pursuing the process, which is naturally going to be filled with, um, you know, adversity at, at some, at some points, like that's, that's inevitable. Um, but a lot of victories too, and a lot of personal growth and development, um, you know, I think create, creating that mindset shift can do a lot in, in all of these other areas. Um, stress management is another, is another big one. And we could say stress management or emotional regulation, but, um, uh, you know, kind of, um, in a lot of ways, almost, almost getting out of our own way. Um, and being, uh, you know, being compassionate with ourselves, like, like self-compassion is a, is a, is a big piece of that. Um, and can kind of, you know, arm somebody with, uh, a, maybe a better, a better, uh, ability to recognize when they're not succeeding. Um, it, but instead of beating themselves up over not being 100% successful, right? Noticing the, the growth that has happened, even if it's just a little bit. Um, so kind of all of those different categories, right? Um, are related in, in some way, shape or form. Um, and we want to, we, ideally, we want to look at all of them, uh, you know, regardless of if the person is, uh, is just focused on performance, um, or just focused on weight loss because the, the, the whole idea, right. is like, regardless of what the goal is, if, um, if 
you're just focused on one aspect of, of those different categories, um, if the other ones are falling apart, it's eventually going to impact whatever you're doing for your specific goal, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I really like your point about the, I never really thought about growth mindset being something that fluctuates from scene to scene. Like you yeah. look at a person and, and quite often people say to me, oh, you're, you're so optimistic. And I'm like, I guess like my overall approach to a lot of areas of life is, is very optimistic, but there's certainly some areas of my life where like impatience, I think is something that I really, like it's just been, a, I think it's going to be a lifelong thing that I'm just keep, I got to keep working on. And um, growth mindset, yeah. I, I think too often, and this is probably an area of growth mindset I could develop, is you've either got it or you don't. But the truth is, it's like, yeah, you're, you're right. Like I know that in a lot of areas, I, I'll, I'll spend time with my kids. I'm like, man, I'm nailing this. Like <laughs> I'm such a good dad today. Right. But then it'll, I'll catch myself being impatient again and it'll be like, ah, oh, Tice, like you're still working on this. Like why do you suck at this so much? It's a, that's, a, that's a helpful little uh, principle to remember, isn't it? That there's, you, yeah. you haven't always got it or, or you don't. Um, I've been watching Ted Lasso, that TV show. Oh, on, yeah. yeah uh, that's on a great Apple show. TV, man. And, me and my yeah. wife, my wife said to me last night, she's like, why can't I just permanently have a Ted Lasso attitude? And I was like, I wouldn't. I think, I think there's a, I'm not sure. We're only up to the end of the first season. I'm not sure if he explodes and like takes a gun out to a field at any stage, but yeah. he seems as though he's, it could be a couple of uh, things bottled up there, but it's right. Like he's got a, um, he definitely seems very, very positive. But for me, just, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a little gleaning from this conversation. For me, just that understanding that, um, you know, you're not going to be 100% in every area. And especially from a running perspective, and for yeah. those listening, especially when I was running at a, a higher level, I, I often struggled. If I had had a couple of bad races in a row, I would find it very easy just to go, okay, well, I guess I'm just not quite in good form. And I wouldn't mean that I would stop training. It wouldn't mean anything else. But just that little psychological shift would take place and lining up on a, another start line to try and have a good race. It just it seemed like an impossible task. And um, like, are there any are there any little strategies? Because this is an area I'm fascinated by as well. Uh, that that you work with people to develop coming back from disappointing results. Because this is something that I think every yeah. runner has to, or every person. But for this instance, every runner has to navigate at some point in their career. Yeah, for sure. I think um, uh, one of my so one of my favorite strategies is just uh, is is noticing. It's called noticing and naming, right? So noticing the emotion. Uh, or the or the thought that's going through your head, um, and and putting a label on it, essentially. Um, so, kind of once you do that, it seems to just give more context, right, uh, or more understanding. So, um, you know, if you're um, if you're really bummed out about training, or or you don't. You, you know, you don't want to train quite like you used to uh, after a bad race or um, or you're getting really nervous for a, an upcoming race. Like, I think we try and push that stuff out of our head. Like we try and we try and not think about it. Um, and I, I would encourage you to do the opposite. Like, think about it, you know, embrace it um, and and, and name the emotion and, and kind of, you know, explore why, why you're feeling that way. Um, and, and you're really just, you're trying to normalize it. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, that's a powerful, um, a powerful strategy. I think, um, you know, identifying the bright spots to go, to go back to the beginning, um, when we're talking about bright spots, you know, trying to identify if we're talking about racing, uh, trying to identify previous moments of adversity, um, in, in racing and whether it be, you know, preparing for a race, recovering from an injury, um, uh, a race that you crushed, you know, like trying to find all these, these different scenarios and, and pick out like, well, you know, how did, how did these things happen? Um, how was I able to bounce back from the last injury or the, or the last, um, uh, you know, race that I didn't feel as good about? Um, and, 
I've even, you know, we've made, I've made spreadsheets on this with clients, like, because when you, when you, when you pull all this information out and you put it on paper and you're staring at it, um, it all, it, it's, it's, you, you can't avoid it. And, and, you know, you come to realize like, okay, these are some strategies or these are some ways that I've been able to overcome this in the past. Um, and, and maybe you give yourself a little bit more credit than you did initially, you know? Um, uh, cause I think the, the opposite effect is like the negative self-talk and, um, and that can be, that can be really destructive as well. Um, you know, to go, to go in the opposite direction. Um, but I think those, those two pieces right there, and those are things that you can do, you can do in, you know, a couple minutes, right. Even if you just feel something creeping up, like in the way you feel, just, you're, you know, you, you kind of take a moment to pause and, and think about it and reflect on it and, and label it. Um, and then, and then you've at least kind of acknowledged it um, and you maybe have a better understanding of why you're feeling like that. Um, Cause once you understand why you're feeling like that, then you can, you're likely in a better position to determine what you're going to do about it or how, or how you're going to you know react to it. Yeah. It's a really good point. I like the, um, I'm not sure what it's called officially. It's a, uh, the, the way I heard it ex- explained, it's like a crushing ants crushing the automatic negative thoughts. And one of the ways to do that was um, so situation will take place and then a negative thought will kick in. And then uh, for so often, if I'm not focused on it or if I'm busy, I've just had a, as I mentioned to you before I hit record, we've recently just had our our second kid and I'm not sure if you've got kids, but our house at the moment, it's just, uh, (laughs) thanks brother. Our house (laughs) at the moment, it's just, uh, it's it's amazing, full of energy, but there's not a whole heap of time just to kick back and relax and, as a result, <laughs> yeah. I notice when I'm so flat out, uh, <clears throat> they're the moments that I'll, I'll just get trapped in a particular thought and won't take the time to sit down with a notebook and pen and try and, and try and challenge those automatic negative thoughts. And for for me, just having like a double column, like what you said, labeling it, writing down, well, for, in my instance, writing down whatever the thought is, and then on the other other column, challenging it, coming up with like a more powerful, positive alternative, like a, a an equally possible uh reality but just yeah. from the other side of your brain or whatever and it's amazing how often when i sit down for 10 minutes to go all right Tyce, what's bothering you and you write it down and then you go okay well is there another way to interpret this and you're like, as a matter of fact there's seven <laughs> yeah. just writing notes. i always leave god oh wow i'm such a happier person to a hundred that's a yeah that's that that's awesome and because it, it's amazing how the brain works right like we we uh, naturally jump to what's going bad <laughs> or, or like what's distracting. And, and sometimes it's just, we're not taking up time to even think about it. Um, journaling is something I'm, I don't do. I, I, I am getting into it. So I've done it a couple of times. Uh, I need to, I need to create a, a systematic, uh, you know, to do it um, regularly at a specific time or whatever. But um one thing I have started doing recently is just doing like a little after action at the end of the week. Um, and, uh, you know, so just writing down what, what went well this week, like, um, because, uh, I'm sure you're super busy. Like it, it can, the good stuff can kind of, uh, you can kind of be like, okay, this went well on to the next thing. Right. And you, you forget about it and, and all you're focused on is just, the stuff that has to get done or the stuff that's not going great or whatever. Um, it's, a, it's a really good point. It's amazing just how much a little uh, shift in perspective can help just make you a happier person, huh? Yeah. Oh, totally. It's mine. It's uh, it drives. Yeah. It drives everything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's uh, it drives everything for yeah. sure. Um, I, I think it's so interesting to talk about this too, because it sheds light on it. And hope, hopefully people that are, that are listening to this or watching it, like they, they take it to heart too, because I, I think it sounds kind of like, um, for, for somebody maybe that comes in for performance, right? Uh, like maybe mindset is, is appealing. Maybe it's not. 
and for a lot of people, I think it's like, what are we talking about mindset for? You know what I mean? Like it sounds just uh, frou frou, or you know, it, nobody wants to talk about it. It's like this is this this is powerful stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I'm glad you brought it up. It's really true, man. It's a, I, I honestly know, well, I know for a fact that each of these subjects, like it's a, it's a whole couple of hours podcast in itself, but I know you've got other things to do with the rest of your life. So I'm not going to uh, <laughs> keep firing questions away. It's a, looks like Sorry. it might be evening over there and you're probably getting, what, what time is it in Atlanta right now? It's uh, just about six o'clock. Oh, okay. So almost yeah. dinner time. So I won't, uh, yeah. I won't hold you up any longer, but for, for everyone yeah. listening, um, Obviously, you said you're working with people. You don't have to be elite. It might just be people making small lifestyle changes, trying to get the ball rolling. Where's yeah. the best place to find you? And, and with the love of uh, the internet and just living virtually at the moment, obviously, it doesn't matter where you are in the world if you want to uh, work yeah. with you, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, they can they can find me on Instagram, uh, at Coach Ben Real. And uh, the website is uh, c1fn.com. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's all um, – with remote coaching and then with the health and fitness coach or health and wellness coaching, both those are, are basically virtual online uh, pieces. So um, regardless of location uh, you can, you know, you can reach out and um, we can have calls like this and um, yeah, we can make things happen with that. And that's one of the, it's one of the amazing things of um, now almost post COVID uh, because I, for so many of us, this online world like blew up, you know, uh, and all of a sudden the possibilities of being able to, to reach out and work with more people uh, in different locations. So um, yeah, hit me up on either of those and um, that's the best place to find me. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. You bet Tyson. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com.